Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. As the Lord Jesus and his disciples were journeying from Galilee through Samaria to Jerusalem, three cases are chronicled in Luke chapter 9 regarding different ones who desired to follow him. Verse 57 says, And as they went along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of heaven have roosts, but the Son of Man does not have a place where he may lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me to go first and bury my father. And he said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and announce the kingdom of God everywhere. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say farewell to those in my house. But Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand on the plow and looks behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Ron Kangas has joined us today as we fellowship concerning this word and others from Luke chapter 9 and 10. Ron, welcome back to our program. Thank you, Chris. Fit for the kingdom of God. I hope our listeners don't confuse this with going to heaven. Uh, That trivializes the word as well as misinterprets and misapplies it. This is in another realm from the religious notion of heaven. We surely want to be fit for the kingdom of God. We'd like to be released from all preoccupations and to be brought back to God's original intention, his eternal purpose through Christ's redemption, that we may be fit to be one with him in our living and in our work for the kingdom of God well-spoken context that you provided for our program today. I think your point about it relating to the kingdom will be emphasized as we uh, journey on today. Um, Ron, there are two general sections of the Lord Jesus' ministry, and we're seeing him in Luke as the man-savior in the Gospel of Luke. The first was accomplished in Galilee, far away from Jerusalem, the religious capital. And now the second section begins And it's comprised of the events that take place as he and the disciples are journeying from Galilee on their way to Jerusalem. Verse 51 in chapter 9 is an interesting verse that I think somewhat marks the point where the second section begins. Let me read this verse. It says, And it came about when the days were being fulfilled for his being taken up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. There's a a note of purpose in this verse, Ron, that is unmistakable, and it's worthy of our taking consideration of it as we look at these stories, isn't it? It is. You sense a determination here, a resolve, a steadfastness. Earlier in his ministry, when things were threatening, he uh, avoided the capture by those that were intending to put him to death because the hour had not come. 
But the Lord, in doing the Father's will, had a keen sense of timing, that is, of the hour. And he knew the scriptures and the prophecies concerning himself and his death. He knew that he came to fulfill that which had been determined in a council of the divine trinity uh, with respect to his death on the cross. So in this second section of his ministry, according to Luke's account, we sense his steadfastness, his determination. His face is set to go to Jerusalem, to die at the appointed time, at the appointed place, on Mount Moriah. This is um, quite a remarkable aspect of the Lord, and we need to appreciate him in his steadfastness and his determination to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross, for our redemption, and for the carrying out of God's economy. Well, we come now to these three cases. Uh, We read the verses at our opening today. Uh, Three different ones who expressed a desire, or were involved at least in a desire to follow the Lord Jesus. The case first involving the one uh, who wanted to follow, and the Lord warns him in a way that if, okay, if you take this way, you have to understand you'll have no place to lay your head. Then he calls one, and this one uh, expresses a desire, but first has to uh, go and bury his father, and the Lord would not allow that. And finally, the third case, the man who wanted to go back and say farewell to all the ones in his house, and then that strong word that the Lord gives him. We read before, you emphasized it. Let's read it once more as we set up Witness Lee's portion today. No one who puts his hand on the plow and looks behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Here's Witness Lee. I'd like to tell you why at this juncture, these three cases was mentioned by Luke. Because the Samaritans rejected the man Savior. It was at this juncture that the Lord dealt with the different kind of cases. We have to realize the entire world is just like Samaria. Yet we still are trying to follow him. Don't think to follow the Lord is an easy thing. It is at a very cost. Causes you to sacrifice your dead father in order that you can proclaim the Jubilee, the kingdom of God. You have to consider. There's no time for you to look backward, no time for you to be held back. You have just spent every minute of the time to go forward and straight forward. What happened? with the two persons trying to follow him was also a kind of preparation. So after this preparation, the Lord appointed 70 now. Now firstly, he appointed 12 to spread jubilee. Now on the way to Jerusalem, passing through Samaria, he appointed 70 because the need now was much greater. He sent the seventy to spread the jubilee. 
Ron, we have a, a striking beginning to this second section. We talked about it a moment ago. This steadfastness that the Lord expresses as he sets himself to go to Jerusalem and suffer what he knows is coming. And now these three cases, all emphasizing that if we desire to follow him in this setting, in this context, surely there's a price to pay. It's significant, isn't it, that this takes place while passing through this region of Samaria. What does this region signify to us? For our present purpose, let's not get into some of the other dimensions of what Samaria signifies. But here, Samaria was a place of rejection. And the rejection is related to his setting his face toward Jerusalem. There was something in particular about this that aroused this rejection there. And to link this with the verses about the cases of those who wanted or were reluctant to follow him, And to remind our listener of the phrase, fit for the kingdom of God, the Lord needs some who are one with him, who are identified with him, who will follow him uh, by being one with him in an organic way. This is not a matter of our salvation. Surely it's not a matter of our going to heaven. It's a matter of our being one with the Lord for the Jubilee during his rejection And during his phase of his ministry, where he has his face set toward Jerusalem, and there is a price to pay for this, really there is not a price to pay for our salvation. This is a gift of grace based upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But to follow him for the kingdom, for the jubilee, is illustrated in this way. We must be concentrated, we must be absolute, we must be focused, we must be devoted. We cannot put our hand to the plow and then look back and expect to plow a straight furrow. The Lord himself was set to go to Jerusalem. Anyone who would follow him and be one with him must likewise be set, focused, and concentrated on what is ahead, which is being one with the Lord in God's economy for God's kingdom. Well, now, as we just heard at the end of that portion, after these three cases, the Lord expands the group that he has selected to spread the Jubilee from 12 originally. Now he calls 70, and he sends them out, and they have uh, quite a marvelous success, and they uh, come back very excited. Let's pick up the story in chapter 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. However, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in the heavens. Here's Witness Lee once again. The 70 went out and they came back rejoicingly because they experienced the subduing of the demons. They were excited. But at this point, the Lord pointed to them, they should not be that excited in the subduing of the demons. They should be more excited in their names being inscribed in the heavens. And today, it is the same with us. When you got saved, 
don't you realize that your name has been written in the heavens? Have you ever been excited about that? I doubt. Suppose here is a demon possession case, and the demon is cast out. I tell you, this one will be excited to the third heaven. <laughs> now, which of the two things is more crucial? To be saved, having your name inscribed in the heavens, or to cast out a demon? You see, the Lord Jesus, after listening to the report of the return 70, he was not so excited with the subduing of the demons. But the Lord told them, you have to be exalting that your names have been inscribed in the heavens. Jubilee is quite exciting. It's a real excitement. But Jubilee requires you to die. Jubilee requires Christ to die. And you also. Without the death on the cross, Jubilee could never be accomplished. And Jubilee could never be experienced. Have you noticed? The Lord Jesus repeatedly, once, twice, three times, to tell them and ask them to put his word into the ears. What can word? The word of death. They didn't know what he was talking about. They like to hear, as we all do, the word jubilee, exciting. But they don't like to hear that I have to die. Ron, I think we can relate to the uh, 70 here. When they had this experience of casting out the demons and the authority that the Lord had given them, they were quite excited. But he didn't share their excitement, did he? In fact, he was quite resolute in pointing them in something else to rejoice over. He did say he saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. He appreciated the significance of what they had achieved in his name. But he was focused on God's economy, and he wanted them to be focused on God's economy, not on anything related to the enemy and certainly not on their success. And so he charged them, do not rejoice in the spirits being subject to you. But rejoice over something else, that your names are recorded in the heavens. And again, under the influence of superficial teachings, we may suppose this is a matter of being in heaven for eternity with the Lord. But this is not the revelation here. What is presented here actually in a preliminary way as a seed, so to speak, Mm -hmm is an indication that we should rejoice because from eternity past, our names are recorded in heaven as those marked out by God to participate in the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. What does or how can casting out a demon in the name of the Lord compare in significance with having our names from eternity past Mm. written in the heavens, having been predestinated to sonship for the corporate expression of the triune God, and that redemption would be accomplished to save us from our fallen situation and to bring us back into God's original intention. Now, this is something we need to rejoice over. But this requires 
A lot of revelation through the word and an unveiling of the things related to God's economy. And I'm happy that we'll be touching on these things in the remainder of this program and in our fellowship to the very end of this program. Well, we've saved enough time that we can really get into that. I also was uh, hoping that we would have a good portion because this uh, segment just ahead, I think, really hits the target. Uh, Let me read a couple of verses to set it up. In verse 23 of chapter 10 and 24, And turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have wanted to perceive the things that you see and have not perceived them, and to hear the things that you hear and have not heard them. And really, Ron, I believe you join me in this, that he was not just referring to the things that they had seen, but even all of those that yet awaited them to see the full unveiling of the Jubilee. And that is where Witness Lee will take us in this coming portion. In the Holy Spirit, he praised the Father, you have hid these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to babes. Who are the babes? All the disciples, including you and me. Don't consider yourself as wise and intelligent. If you consider this way, you are true. After he prayed the Father, he turned to the disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes which see all things that you see. Now, could you answer me, what are the things? Verse 22 says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father. What are these things? I tell you, all the things here relate to all the things involved in the inscription of our names in the heavens. To have our names inscribed in the heavens. This involves a lot. This needs Paul's 14 epistles to describe. Could you follow me? You couldn't get the answer just from the gospel book. No, the answer should be collected from Paul's 14 epistles. You see, this involves God's mysteries. The mystery of God, which is Christ, and the mystery of Christ, which is the church. What are these things? These things are the things in God's New Testament economy. All the mysteries in God's economy and the New Testament economy. It's too, too marvelous and too profound concerning the divine trinity, concerning God's eternal plan, concerning the embodiment of God, which is Christ, concerning the body of Christ, who is the church, that concerns all God's intention to be expressed through his divine trinity within the church. The reality of Jubilee is in all these things. You see, not just because of demons. God has chosen us and has predestinated us to such a destiny to enjoy his eternal plan, which has been carried out in his New Testament economy. And all the things relate to that New Testament economy has been fully unveiled in Paul's 14 epistles. 
Ron, this was marvelous. Uh, I would like you to develop, just according to your burden, his point here, his final point, that the things referred to really are the things that are not uh, strictly covered by Luke, but take all of Paul's epistles particularly to develop. That's the point. And this point is not arbitrarily made. It has a particular basis and a rather broad basis. The broad basis is Luke's relationship with Paul and the effect of this relationship upon the writing of the Gospel of Luke. So to associate Luke with Paul is a very fitting thing to do right? because they were intimately related for a long period of time. So in a certain situation, Paul could say, Luke alone is with me. So if anyone was really one with Paul and who knew Paul's thought and purpose and ministry, it was Luke. But we need to find a particular basis in the word for associating the things mentioned in Luke chapter 10 with Paul's epistles. And the key point of reference is this. The Lord talks about our names being recorded in the heavens. Mm -hmm. When we read this in light of Ephesians chapter 1, we can be and should expect to be quite enlightened by the Lord. Paul there is speaking from the heavens, from the perspective of eternity, and unfolds God's eternal purpose in which glory to him We have a part. And Paul says we were chosen before the foundation of the world. We were predestinated unto sonship. We were marked out for this purpose, that we would be holy, that we would be without blemish, that we would be part of the body of Christ as the corporate expression of the triune God, through whom God in Christ will head up all things in the universe. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have a solid basis for saying that in order to understand what it means to have our names recorded in the heavens, we need to read from portions like Ephesians 1 what is recorded in the heavens concerning us. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So, in order to fully understand the Lord's word about these things, all things, the things that are revealed to babes, we need Paul. And I appreciate very much the clarity and the faithfulness of this ministry Mm -hmm. to point us in the right direction to get the development that we need to go from Luke 10 to Ephesians 1 and elsewhere in Paul's epistles, then we'll see the revelation of God's economy involving the triune God, the all-inclusive Christ, the consummated spirit, organic salvation, the organic body of Christ, the one new man, and we will see to have our names recorded in the heavens means that our names are recorded in relation to God's eternal economy to carry out a marvelous dispensing of himself in Christ as a spirit into us so that we would be the sons of God and the members of the body of Christ and the constituents of the one new man. 
Our names were recorded in heaven from eternity past for this purpose. So we thank the Lord for his word in Luke 10, and we thank the Lord for Paul's word in his epistles. And in an appropriate but lesser way, we appreciate the word of this ministry that helps us see the connection between the word of the Lord Jesus and the word of Paul concerning your name and my name and our names being recorded in the heavens. Should we not rejoice? We should rejoice. Ron, the Lord's word said, Blessed are you if your eyes have seen these things that were kept from the prophets and the kings. Do you feel blessed today? Surely blessed, and with a fresh, unfeigned sense of rejoicing that our names are recorded there. That is the guarantee God will carry out what he has determined concerning us for his glorious, eternal, and corporate expression. In this fact, revealed in his word, we may rest with full assurance. Wonderful fellowship. Appreciate your being here as always, Brother Ron. Uh, glad to be here, and there's a particular appreciation and rejoicing over the content of this program. Well, we, uh, we'll leave our listeners with that and an invitation to contact us and come back and listen as often as you are able as we continue on our life study from Luke. But first, I'll give you our toll-free number. It is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Whether you're hearing this program via radio, online or as a podcast, you'll find hundreds of audio studies just like this one by visiting our website, lsmradio.com. We also hope you'll email us with your questions or comments, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.